So welcome to the Pharmacist Diaries podcast. Um, thanks for making time for me tonight and looking forward to um, hearing your story today. Yeah, thanks, Amisha. Thanks for inviting me on. No worries. Um, so we always kickstart uh, the podcast by talking about why you became a pharmacist in the first place. Yeah, so I think um, when I was doing my A-levels, I was still keeping my options open. Um, so I took a bit of a mixture. I had biology, chemistry and maths, um, but I was also studying English and dance um, in my first year. Um, but I think quickly I, I was leaning more towards the science, um, particularly healthcare science route. Um, and because I didn't really know where to start, I kind of looked at medicine um, initially. Um, and I went to like a lot of open days um, at different universities. I think the more I found out about it, um, I kind of realised that I wasn't fully committed to that pathway and it's, it's such a long journey and um, to study and and you know work as a doctor and I, I felt like it, it wasn't my calling in that sense and I, I kind of felt like it needed to be um for me um so I think after that um I sort of explored pharmacy um as, as another option and that really appealed to me I think in my head what what i liked about it and I think it's kind of been reflected um in my journey so far is that it is so varied and flexible and I could already kind of see all of these different paths and different opportunities um again I didn't know much about the career I kind of saw the the community aspect I was learning a little bit about hospital and I was aware of industry um, but didn't really know what what the jobs um in that field would look like but that kind of flexibility um was really appealing to me I think the, the the strong science behind it as well because you've got the more sort of biology and, and the, the healthcare side more clinical side but then also the more technological side with with medicines and and drugs being kind of like a more product based science and, and technology I found that quite unique and, and the pharmacology aspect as well so I really leaned into pharmacy at that point um, and, and and just went for it um, so yeah I, I ended up at King's and that's why I studied my M-Pharm and um, yeah yeah that, that was how I kind of got there Nice. Um, and it's um, really interesting that obviously you you went to King's seeing as I uh, teach on that um, program, which is awesome. Um, and you are right that there is so much variety, especially in the last sort of like five to 10 years, we have excelled in so many ways in terms of providing different um, jobs and opportunities for pharmacists. And our skill set is just expanding, you know, day by day, which is just amazing to be part of this profession um when you were at university um you know through the four years what what were you kind of envisioning yourself um doing as a as a pharmacist and what aspects of the course I guess did you like um which helped you to make those decisions as to where you um wanted to work yeah so I think when I started university I, I definitely found it very challenging especially in that first year, I think um, obviously just 
acclimatizing to a new environment and a new kind of pace. I think studying in London also contributed to that. And um, King's work just very hard, I feel. Um, and I, I definitely struggled with that um, adjustment within first year. Um, and that, that, that was a bit of a struggle to... I feel like a lot of the time I, I felt like I was just trying to figure it out and, and get through each year. But progressively throughout the course, um, I enjoyed it more and more as as the years went through. And, and by the time I, I finished it, I, I felt like I had a really good experience and I really enjoyed um, the learnings from it. Um, I think particularly... Um, the way that the course was structured I think what I struggled with initially was I feel like first year was more of the pure science kind of um foundations so I suppose sort of building up on on A-level content um and that I, I didn't enjoy so much I think it was when we got to second year and started to put things into practice a little bit more so I feel like the clinical elements kind of increased um, within the course we were doing more um, that, like the clinical practice and um, sessions and also the way that each of the modules was structured um, in terms of learning about different body systems and linking everything together and um, that that was really beneficial to me and I think it really helped to to embed the knowledge that I did get from first year um, and kind of helped me to, to find more enjoyment um, in the course. And then in addition to that, I feel like in second year, that was when we kind of looked a bit more at the formulation aspect um, and sort of having that intrigue into the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I feel like that really piqued my interest, um, learning about you know how you go about making a medicine and optimizing different formulations and how you know it's that there's so much um you know technology in that and I, I found that really interesting and then being able to take that knowledge and, and linking it back to the the clinical sessions um where you can you know communicate that information to patients um I I, I found that really rewarding um so I think that again kind of helped me to develop um, my interest in the pharmaceutical industry. But I'd say throughout uni, um, that wasn't necessarily my aim to go into that kind of career. Um, I, was, I was still very open-minded, I think, even within the pharmacy space. Um, I, I really did enjoy the clinical aspects of the course. And I think for most of the four years, I was kind of looking at going into the, the hospital field um, and sort of working towards that. Um, I think one of the reasons was I the, the the whole pharmaceutical industry aspect seemed quite mysterious and competitive, and I feel like that's that's kind of what we would hear is that it's it was quite tricky to get in um, and to get experience, particularly as a student. So I was always applying for placements um, in you know industry. Um, over the summers but but never had much luck with that so I kind of shifted my focus and I thought okay well I, I want to try a bit of everything just get as much clinical experience as much pharmacy experience as I can 
Um, so I, I did summer placements um, every year throughout uni. Um, I did um, a community placement with Lloyd's after my first year for, for six weeks. Um, and then in my second year, um, I actually did like a kind of pharmacy exchange um, placement um, over in Boston. Um, so I, I went over to Boston for three weeks and that was kind of like a research um, so more lab-based um, placement, but a lot of it was more around um, meeting pharmacy students over in the US and kind of building um, a bit of an international network. So we had some other um, international pharmacy students um, on that same program. Um, so I really enjoyed that just for the, I think it just opened my eyes to, you know, pharmacy globally um, and how we you know, operate in different ways, depending on where you are in the world. Um, I also found like, you know, working alongside students from different countries was very inspiring, I think, and seeing other people with such like a strong work ethic um, was really great. Um, And then in my third year, um, I did um, a placement with the RPS um, in pharmaceutical publishing. Um, so that was, I think that was a six week placement as well. Um, and I worked predominantly, I think I spent half of my placement working on the BNF and the other half working on Martindale, um, reference text. Um, so that was an editorial role. Um, and that, again, that was really insightful and um, seeing, you know, how we go about writing these texts and updating them, um, so frequently, particularly with the BNF. Um, so again, that was that was a great experience, and and meeting you know people across the RPS um, was really cool too. Um, and then I also did a hospital placement um, that same summer, so that was that was a busy summer. <laughs> um, so I did a, a hospital placement at um, the Royal Brompton um, in Chelsea. So um, I kind of got some experience um, in hospital as well. Um, and I'm really glad that that I used my summers in that way um, and that I was able to see so much of, of what pharmacy had to offer. Um, and I think it was only um, after that point, so I, I think I applied for the industry pre-reg, um, yeah, I, I guess it was the end of third year. And at that point, I, I hadn't had any industry experience, but... You know, I thought I've, I've been applying every summer um, it's still something that I'm interested in um, and it's like the one thing left that I haven't tried. So um, I submitted that application, um, but at the same time I was doing all the preparation for Oriel and hoping to get a hospital placement through that. Um, but I ended up getting the interview um, for the GSK Lloyds um, at the time, um, split programme. And um, I, I ended up getting the placement through that. Um, and, you know, I thought it was such a it was such a great opportunity um, that I had to take it. But it was it was a difficult decision because I wasn't really expecting um, to have that opportunity um, because because I, I didn't think I had sort of the relevant experience um, going into it. But I had so much other experience um, that that really did help um going into that I think so yeah so I, I accepted the placement and then um I had actually arranged to do my final year dissertation 
um, at Pfizer. Um, so that was set up by one of the lecturers at King's. Um, I'm not sure if he's still there, if he still runs it, um, Professor Forbes. Um, but yeah, that was, he's still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, another really great opportunity that I was so grateful for. Um, but there was three of us um, from my year who um, did three-month placement um, at Pfizer um, over in Kent. So I did my final year project um, working there. Um, and that was very much lab-based. Um, it was looking at um, punch tip sticking on um, tablet presses. So um, I spent the three months um, analysing kind of metal punch tip surfaces, which was a very different um, kind of lab um, experience. But um, again, it was it was it was great to kind of get a first glimpse into to what it's like working um, in a big pharmaceutical company. Um, and even though I haven't, I don't think I've set foot in a lab since then. Um, it was it was a good kind of taster um, into the the sort of work culture and um, what that could look like for me. Oh, that's so interesting! You got a lot out of your university years, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I'll take you back to the kind of like the first comment that you made that you found university. Um, really challenging to begin with and throughout kind of pharmacy is that because it's such a big difference to what you do as a um like an a-level student and kind of not feeling prepared for what the difference is between school and university or was it that there's just so much going on in terms of all the different modules and managing your time and prioritizing what coursework needs to be done and when to study for exams when to apply for placements all of that like was that quite overwhelming what what's your thoughts on yeah that? yeah I think a bit of both of those things to be honest and maybe just part of my personality as well because I, I feel like I really I had the, a similar experience even going from GCSEs in school um to A levels because I went from my secondary school to I went to a separate sixth form college um, and it was a huge college um, and I think that was my first kind of taste of having to you know adjust very quickly um, just to yeah demands from workload I think it helped that I chose five subjects <laughs> for my A-levels in the first year and then and then I cut that down to three and I felt like I'd it was again sort of mirroring a level my first year of a levels I, I didn't do that great and also at the time when I was you know looking at medicine I, I didn't think I would get the grades in order to to achieve that so that was, that was another part of the um that decision um but then you know I was able to turn that around in second year and and I did really well um and then I think going to university it was kind of like okay we're doing we're doing this all again you know it's, it's another big step up um I think like you say it's it's a it's a lot to, to to juggle on the on the course um I think I just I found it very overwhelming um with the the content um that we had to learn um and again the coursework um I was also working part-time jobs um every weekend 
Um, so it was it was a lot to balance, and then obviously trying to enjoy um, university as well. I feel like that that kind of added to the pressure sometimes because you know you want to enjoy the experience and you know enjoy the social life as well um and trying to to balance that with the studies I think it was it was just quite overwhelming um but like I said I think um I really made an effort um as I say from second year onwards um in terms of study technique um I think throughout college and then first year of university I was still um I was quite stubborn in wanting to take notes and make them beautiful and record everything, document everything. Um, and I, I think, you know, realising, you know, coming out of first year exams, um, I was like, okay, maybe that's not the most effective <laughs> um, way to revise for me. Um, I, need, I need something that's a bit more efficient. Um, and I, I really sort of switched it up from second year in terms of my study habits um also just trying to timetable um for myself um I think yeah from second year I I tried to treat university as like a working day um so even if I had I think we usually had lectures in the morning um even if we had nothing in the afternoon I would just stay um at uni and kind of do like a library day for the afternoon and try and stick to that schedule and I think in the long term it's more sustainable um I can enjoy my evenings a bit more rather than having like the odd days where I do like a really long session um late at night um I could try and you know stick to more sociable hours um and, and I and again like I, I mentioned switching up the the study habits was was a big um sort of game changer for me so I still made some notes but um I'm more focused on kind of like writing questions for myself, testing myself um, and, and working with friends as well. I think um, initially I was quite independent um, to, to the point that, you know, I, I only wanted to sit down by myself and, and revise. But I actually found that, you know, the more I used my friends and um, people in my course, um, you know, because we all had different strengths, um, I, I learned so much through you know just like sitting down with them sometimes in the canteen like um taking a break from the library and just just chatting about the content and sometimes they would just you know say something in a certain way that would make it click for me um so I think kind of cultivating those sorts of little practices um in the later years and um, really helped with that but um I think it was just it, it it's it's overwhelming for sure <laughs> And it is a lot of content, I mean, and such a variety of content. Mm. It's not just the clinical content and the biology and the chemistry. You're, you know, you've got the lab work, you've got the pharmacology, you know, you've got so much consultation skills, communication, um, calculations, the legal aspects. I mean, mm. the list is pretty much endless, you know, there's so much to know. And you just feel like you need to cram all of that information into your brain. And I'm quite, I was quite similar to you in terms of learning where through the lecture, I was extremely um, engaged with what was being said, but I learned to note take really fast and write down everything that I was hearing 
at the same time. And I wouldn't actually say that that's a positive thing to do because your mind does need to focus on one thing at a time. So it is more useful to listen really intently and take in that information. And like you said, make notes or questions as to what further content that you need to read or questions you need to ask yourself so that you can learn more about that specific topic. And I used to go home and spend hours making beautiful notes after reading through every textbook that we were expected to go through, just copying or listing or color coding like every, you know, symptom, every indication, every drug, you know, side effect, and then trying to just cram that into my brain and memorize it, which is really challenging. Um, So it's really useful to know that your generation of students is starting to understand that there are more effective ways of learning and also that everybody has different learning styles and you understood quickly that actually this doesn't really work for me. I need to be more efficient and make the most of my time. And how is it that I can make that happen? So that's that's amazing. Um, and I like that you talk about utilizing your time and scheduling. So even though you didn't have lectures for the afternoon, you could go home and sit in front of Netflix for the rest of the day, or you spend your time in the library and you understand exactly what topics you need to look at and scheduling in what aspects of learning you need to do and utilizing your friends with different strengths. Like that's, yeah, really positive um, kind of feedback. And I'm sure a lot of people listening in, especially students who are studying at the moment would find that um, extremely useful. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I love that you went on so many different placements. Tell me a little bit more about how you found these placements or are there specific times of year that you knew that they were coming out in terms of adverts or where did you find those advertisements for, um, summer placements? Cause they're quite difficult to find now, I think. Yeah, I think to be fair, um, I, I feel like most, for most of them, um, I found out through the university so just kind of keeping on on top of the emails and um you know making sure that if there's any deadlines for applications and just just making a note of those to make sure um that you're prepared um I know certainly the the hospital placements um can be quite tricky to find um I remember with with those um really sending out a lot um, of applications um, just just to get the one summer placement. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the timings. I, I guess perhaps in the springtime um, I would start thinking about it and, and making a note of, of any deadline dates and just, just trying to get the applications out there. Um, and you know kind of knowing you know it's it's not not the end of the world if you don't get you know the the exact placement that you want and like I said I I would have loved to gain some industry experience um whilst I was doing my undergrad but um that that didn't happen for me but I had I had so many other um you know really insightful experiences so I think yeah mainly through the university but um, I now see I see so many pharmacy students on LinkedIn, um, and I think that's a really good place um, to, to to find 
placements, particularly within the pharmaceutical industry, because um, you'll have, you know, the companies will, will tend to post um, when those come out. Um, and I, I try to help out now because I know I have quite a few pharmacy students on there. So I'll just try to share <laughs> um, whenever I see, um, you know, that applications are open. Um, because, yeah, I, I understand it can be difficult to find. Um, but, yeah, certainly, like, if it is if it is for industry, looking at the company website. Um, and they, they usually have, like, a, a jobs page. But other than that, I'd, I'd say, you know, your university is, like, the best place um you know you've got all this this huge network and and your lecturers and like I mentioned with the with my placement for my dissertation and I found that through um a lecturer um at King's so I I do think you know that is the best place it's the most accessible um as a student and to just really you know utilize your network within the university um, <clears throat> did you ever get nervous, like contacting your lecturers um, at King's to ask for support or help? Because I think a lot of students do. And even, I mean, I was a student quite a while ago, but it would be quite, I would find it, I would be quite nervous to email them and kind of ask them for that kind of support. Um, did you feel you needed to kind of have a bit of courage to kind of just go out there? Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think um, sometimes at uni, you kind of feel like, because there's so many of you, there's so many students. Um, I, I do feel like I had that nervousness that I'd go up to my lecturer and they're kind of like, you know, well, who, who are you? And, <laughs> um, you know, like that, that, that kind of nervousness there. But um, I think I, I was quite fortunate um, during my time at King's that um, I had two personal tutors um, during my time. Um, so I, I had um, a lady called Vicky Hollings um, for, I think, the first two, three years. Um, and then she went on mat leave. Um, and then um, I had Barry Gibraj, Um And, they, <laughs> and I, I just feel like I was, I was so lucky um, to have two um, such, you know, lovely personal tutors um while I was at King's and I feel like they they were really approachable um and I felt like I could chat to either of them about anything and they were always really encouraging um so you know again that's just kind of luck of you know who who you get assigned to but um your your personal tutor is like a, a good kind of first um port of call um and then you know that they, they might even be able to help you kind of reach out to, to other people um at the university as well so um yeah 100% you can utilize them for their network and I mean most personal tutors will be very supportive in terms of helping you to grow that's their that's their role at the end of the day um and I think what I've learned probably the harder way is that if you don't ask you don't get mm. and you have to kind of think it's not the end of the world if you don't like you you didn't get your interviews or feedback from industry placements and it's it's okay it's totally okay it doesn't it doesn't mean that there's anything negative about your application or um you know anything about you specifically um sometimes it's just 
luck in terms of timing that someone's seen your email at the right time and they've had a moment to just like feedback um sometimes it's just the time of the year that you've emailed that they're ready to accept emails about um you know placements and things like that or placement you know placement meetings have happened where they've suddenly got funding to have two or three students and it's just luck of the draw that you've emailed at the right time like it's sometimes it's genuine chance and it's I think a lot of people take it quite personally that they haven't had a response because they're potentially not good enough or they don't have the correct skills but when you are at university and it's your first time kind of applying to an industry placement, it's kind of expected that you're not going to have any experience because where would you get it from? This is your first opportunity to try and find it. So, you know, you have to remember that the employer knows that um, and you just do your best to put those applications in and fingers crossed you get the feedback and you keep trying. And I love that you also went out and looked at other opportunities that were quite unique as well um, because it will have given you, A, the confidence to kind of go out there. Like, you know, you said you found it challenging to go from GCSE to A-level when you changed kind of schools and you're effectively going out of your comfort zone and you're you're putting yourself in situations that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but actually you know that it will help you to grow as a person, which is amazing. Um, and you went all the way to Boston. I mean, how did you find um, that experience? Was that um, from the university that you found that um, exchange program? Yeah, yeah. So again, um, I remember there was an email that was sent out um, about this exchange program and I hadn't really heard about anyone else going on these placements. Um, but, you know, it was, it was something that really um, fascinated me. And um, I, I can't remember how I chose Boston as a, a location because I, I know you know you could go practically anywhere like that there, there were tons of locations but um I was quite keen to to go to the US um and experience pharmacy over there and I'm, I'm really glad I did I, I love the city um it was really it was really great um and and the pharmacy students that I met over there um I was I was so impressed by them all as well um and you know, it, even in addition to my my main sort of placement while I was out there, which was based at, um, it was the the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy. Um, so I was based there and, and working in a lab, but those were only really kind of like half days in the lab. So my afternoons, I was either you know going out and exploring um, or um, I actually had um, one day where one of the girls I met, she worked um at Brigham and Women's Hospital, um, which is like a huge, um, you know, hospital over there. Um, and yeah, she was able to arrange uh, for me to, to come and shadow her for the day. And once I got there, there were, you know, all these other pharmacists who were like, oh, I'm going to the wards, like, come with me. And, and then, yeah, it was great. I felt like I was in Grey's Anatomy. It was really cool. Amazing. My favorite show. I love that show. Yeah. I'm just, I'm watching season 19 at the moment on Disney. Oh gosh, um, uh, yeah, I love it. I've been obsessed with it for years. Um, yeah. yeah. Side topic. But um, I mean, I lived in Virginia and I did my undergraduate degree there. 
um, which is four years, which is a standard process. You finish high school, you do your undergraduate degree, and then you apply for medicine or pharmacy. So I think that students who get to the point where they are in pharmacy school, they have done really, really, really well throughout their kind of like university years as an undergraduate, but they're also four years maturer than students that start pharmacy in the UK. So they're very committed, they're very professional, they're very responsible, they take it really seriously. And also school fees there are so much more than they are in the UK. So the commitment that you put into place um, mentally is huge compared to what we have to pay for, especially if you go to a university out of state. So I was living in Virginia, but if I went to university in a different state, I would have to pay even more fees. Um, So when you make that commitment to go into this type of career, you for sure are going all in. So I think that you find the students are of a different mentality slightly, but I I love the way that the US um, manage school and university like I really enjoyed the experience that I had Mm -hmm. as a university student there um, compared to what the UK has to offer Um, especially because you don't have to um, claim exactly what it is that you want to do for university within the first year Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like you get to do all the extra you know fun curriculum and explore all of your passions and what you're interested in to help you to try and identify what job you want to do in the future so you don't have to go into university knowing okay pharmacy is what I want to do and then it's difficult to switch to another course um so they give you a little bit of flexibility which is really useful um at that age because I think being 17, 18 years old, you're making such massive life decisions and you're still like, you know, you're like a baby. I can't imagine, you know, I've got a five-year-old and, you know, 15 years from now, she's going to be making all these life decisions. It feels so crazy um, because that will roll around so quickly. Um, Yeah, so that's such, you got such a variety of kind of experiences in your summers and you made the most of your time, which is amazing. And also all of those skills that you learned along the way, whether you knew it or you didn't know it, they were, they looked amazing on a CV for applying for a pre-reg placement or even like your first pharmacist job. Um, But you also had lots to talk about because you've obviously done all of these different, um, placements but also you will have gained skills that were transferable into your current role that you may not have thought about before but actually on paper people will realize oh okay well she's worked for the BNF or Martindale so she's got a little bit of experience in understanding how to look things up in terms of evidence-based practice and research and then applying that knowledge in a different in a different job which is really useful and it's good for students to to know that it's very valuable to do all of these experiences throughout your university years because you truly then understand what your passions are what you enjoy what you're going to fall in love with and you can visualize yourself in that job So you may have gone to the BNF and you thought, okay, well, I'm going to be sitting at a computer all day, um, you know, looking at evidence in relation to a specific drug to update that monograph, for example. But about six hours of my day, I'm glued to a computer. Is that really what I want? Or you're faced with an opportunity in a lab and 
you do that for several weeks and you're really bored because you don't really like the lab experience, which happens to a lot of students. They find it's really challenging. It's very lonely sometimes to work in a lab if you're doing things on your own. You don't always have that kind of network. You're not communicating with patients. You're not in a buzzing, hospital, busy, loud environment. Um you're having to yeah, sit with your thoughts a lot of the time and it's very disciplined. You've got to put in a lot of hours in labs as well, you know, so it's it's a very different way of working and truly quite, you know, not all personalities suit that type of work. I think I would find that really, really hard because I like to be around lots and lots of people. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really valuable that you've explored so much and clearly that has helped you to figure out what you like and what you don't like. Tell me a little bit about your experience in your um, pre-reg year. So you got a split placement between um, Lloyd's and GSK. Which bit did you do first? So I started at Lloyd's first. Um, So I was based at a store um, on a quite small high street um, down in Portsmouth. And um, my parents um, live down down that sort of way and that's where I grew up so um so straight after uni I I moved back in with them for six months um and I was working um yeah at at Lloyd's in the community um and I I really enjoyed the experience I I enjoyed it more than I, I thought I would um because the only sort of thing I had to base it off of was um the placement I did after my first year um of uni um which was also with Lloyd's um and I think because you know partially because I did that placement straight after my first year um and that was also my first time working in community pharmacy um I feel like I was quite limited in my knowledge and you know obviously I was trying to learn whilst whilst I was there but um, I, I did feel quite limited in that sense of, of what I could do. Um, that store was also a lot bigger. Um, so it was just really busy. I feel like I was just dispensing um, nonstop for six weeks. Whereas in my um, pre-reg placement, um, it was quite a small store. Um, it, it was busy. Um, you know, each day, you know, we was running around. But... Um, it it felt a lot more manageable and we had sort of quiet periods, particularly in the evenings um, where the day would, you know, wind down um, a lot more. Um, And yeah, I I, I did enjoy that experience um, just in terms of really getting to grips with um, the workflow within a community pharmacy Um, and also interacting with patients um, a lot more. Um, I, I feel like I, I, I did a lot of that um, during my pre-reg and my my tutor um, in that store, the pharmacist manager, um, she was really keen for me to go and interact with the patients and um, she sort of give me the give me feedback along the way. Um, but I, I did really enjoy um, that experience in community. Um, did you find that you had to get a lot of your um, evidence signed off in a much shorter space of time than someone who was spending? a year in a hospital or yeah, a community pharmacy? I, I think um, I definitely had, um, apologies, I'm about to run out of battery. I'm just going to plug in my charger. <laughs> so 
sorry, I was going to do that before we started. No worries. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I was saying, I think because um, I knew that I was only there for six months rather than the whole year, um, I, I kind of had that timeline in my head of, you know, I want to get um, as many of my competencies um, ticked off before um, before I can and kind of leave. And in my head, I, I kind of wanted to feel competent um as a pharmacist working community by the time I left that store because I knew that you know I'd be going to industry and and not getting that same experience and um again I I felt like it was important for me to get the most um out of those six months um as much as possible um and again my, my tutor was really supportive um with that so um you know we'd have our reviews and um you know make sure that we were sort of on track and and really, you know, keeping that six month timeline um, mm. in mind. Um, Did you find it quite challenging again to change your environment from student life to being a working professional, getting paid for a job yeah. whilst having to study at the yeah, same time well. and write evidence? Mm. Um, surprisingly, less so. I think. Um, I think I, I quite enjoy working a job, um, yeah, which is like sometimes less so. But I think in general, I, I, I like working. And I think the way that, like I mentioned earlier with um, uni and sort of scheduling my day to kind of mimic a work day, um, pre-reg, uh, there was the added challenge of, of studying um, but again, that uh, I tried to like break it up and and do little and often um, with with the studying, especially in that first six months um, when I was at Lloyd's. I, I feel like I didn't put too much pressure on myself at that point because, um, and and actually it it all changed because of COVID. But at the time, I thought, okay, the exams next summer. Um, so those first six months, I was like, I want to focus on learning on the job um doing bits of studying going to the training days um and obviously working on the competencies as well um but I, I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself um to to you know go all in on revising at that point um because I, I felt like I was learning so much um on the job and just really trying to actively learn um because I think it, it it's easy in community particularly as a pre-reg and you do end up doing a lot of dispensing I think it's easy to kind of fall into that the, the sort of mundane nature of it um so I I did try to you know really actively um you know think <laughs> about what I'm dispensing ask a lot of questions and just really keep the the mind active because I, I think it can be quite easy to to fall into a trap or, or even just rushing through work when it gets busy um but I think you know it's so important especially because you're learning um to, to really understand what you're doing and the medicines that you're working with and and just picking up you know bits along the way yeah no I completely agree it's easy I mean there's a couple of points I guess for most pre-regers or trainee pharmacists now you spend the first two to three months just getting used to being a working professional 
And when I used to um, work in Buckinghamshire at Stoke Mandeville Hospital as pre-reg director, those first sort of three months, all of the trainee pharmacists just find it really challenging to just go into working life and the nine to five type life, they're exhausted by the time they get home. And because the way Oriel works now, sometimes you're in placements where you're potentially traveling. So quite a few of our um, pre-regers were having to commute quite far to get to the hospital. So then that would add to their fatigue as well in those first few months of just getting used to working life. Um, I guess what's different for you is that those those students had time to get used to working life and start doing their evidences at you know, a slow-ish pace. Um, but when you've got six months in community and six months in industry, you do have to be really organized and time efficient and really make the most of that opportunity because you're exposed to a, a very clinical um, learning environment where a lot of the exam questions relate to your day-to-day working life. And then boom, you've got six months where very limited questions are coming up, which relate to your day-to-day working life in industry. The best thing that you kind of said was that you need to learn on the job. And you do, like spending time on the counter, counseling patients, um, looking at the drug boxes, OTC, Um, doing your, you know, uh, over-the-counter assistance course if you can while you're there, Um, quizzing yourself with the people that you're working with on the counter or asking someone to watch you and say, what would you do differently? Or how did I do with counselling? What could I have added into that conversation in order to make it a better consultation for the patient and getting that quick feedback? But like you said, dispensing can be mundane. Of course, it can be it can be really boring and because you do it for hours on end you're just churning out prescriptions um you know one tactic you could use is looking at the prescription a repeat prescription and then assessing in your mind okay what diseases does this patient have um you know what would their medical history be and do they fit within the guidelines from nice for example and is there anything else i would add or is there anything else that i could deprescribe or ask the patient okay how long have you been on this omeprazole for example should it have been stopped because you were taking steroids you know a few months ago like why are you still taking it um and kind of questioning the patient when you hand out that medication or just asking yourself what questions would you ask because that's just as valuable or thinking in your mind about interactions or side effects of potential drugs and then double checking the bnf whether it's on your phone on the app or using the physical book um in the moment because even though you're busy dispensing, no one's going to complain if you take 10 seconds to look something up and set yourself really easy, smart goals. So in the day, you want to look up five drugs, for example, keep it really small and simple to begin with that in this working day, I need to look up five medications, I need to know all of their indications, all of the general dosages, uh, all of the side effects and interactions the main top three interactions let's say can you do that every day for five different drugs and build your knowledge over time in a fun way rather than just going to work to do the job and just doing what you're asked to achieve and then spending two hours in the evening having to study when you could have actually done it throughout the day because you do have the time, it's just making it more efficient to to learn. Um, 
So it's really useful to hear that feedback that you were trying to be more mindful of what you were doing in the moment and and utilizing that opportunity to learn. Um, what was your other half of your um, training year like at GSK? I'm excited to hear about this as well. Yeah, so um, and kind of going back to sort of the challenges around having the split placement, I was really apprehensive about that second six months from the pre-reg and the exam perspective, because like you said, you know, community, you're, you know, you're in the dispensary all day, you're surrounded by medicines, you're talking about medicines all day. Um, And I I was quite nervous about that, um, you know, maintaining that knowledge um, as I went into the, the industry portion. But um, my placement um, was based in the manufacturing kind of side of the the business. Um, So I was based in the respiratory technical team. So what that um, involved was basically when we would manufacture um, inhalers, they would go to the QC labs, the quality labs, and they'll run tests on each batch to make sure that it's all, um, you know, fit for use and to go out the door to, to send to pharmacies to give to patients. Um, and my role um, as a pre-reg um, was a lot of data analysis from those quality labs. Um, so I would look at the data. Um, more specifically, um, I would be sort of flagged um, to look at data that's out of range um, and then every week we had this meeting um, where I would present that data and um, to our you know experts um, within the respiratory um, product team, um, and then they would discuss you know whether you know although it's out of range actually it's it's okay and that batch is okay um, to pass or whether we need to you know pull um, some more samples and do more testing or carry out an investigation. Um, so that was what I did for the first six months. Um, and it was a bit unusual because, um, for the first two months, um, I was based on site. Um, so I was based on the GSK manufacturing site, um, going to the office every day. Um, it wasn't, it, it was a purely office-based job. Um, so I was, you know, sitting at a desk, um, but I got to meet, you know, all the team, um, for those first couple months um, and then it was um, that was the time that the pandemic hit so we gradually all moved towards working from home um, so at that point um, I actually moved back in with my parents so I'd originally moved up to where um, in Hertfordshire where where the GSK site is based um, so I was living there for a couple months and then moved back to my parents and so joined them again and started working from home so um again that was that was another huge um adjustment and it wasn't something that I'd ever expected um I was really glad that I got to meet my team um in person initially and um, because I was able to establish some connections before we all moved um, towards working from home but it was very much you know everyone was trying to figure it out at that time because um, you know my team they weren't working from home regularly um, at that point so trying to figure out 
you know, when to set up meetings and everyone's getting used to teams um, really quickly. Um, but in terms of the, the, the role itself, um, because it was, um, you know, very much computer based and, and looking at data um, and presenting, um, it, it meant that I was able to adapt quite quickly to working remotely. Um, but yeah, it, the, the latter part of my placement, um, yeah, it, it changed a lot um, during that time. How did you know from that experience that you wanted to continue um, a life in in the world of industry? Yeah, so I think that was an interesting one for me because I think I felt that during those six months, I I wanted to say an industry, but I knew that that what what I was doing during my pre reg and perhaps the I mean, manufacturing is quite general, but maybe the, the more technical work. Um, it wasn't what excited me and it, it, that wasn't, you know, something specifically that I wanted to continue. So as I was getting towards the end um, of my placement, um, the pre-reg exam had been pushed way out. So I wasn't really thinking about that too much. Um, so I was able to kind of really wind down um, with the revision, try and keep some going in the background, but there was a lot of uncertainty there. Um, I started looking around um, for other jobs within GSK. So obviously a huge benefit, you know, for me that was that I was already within the company. And my manager um, within my the, the team I was based in for pre-reg, he used to send out um, regular job alerts and um, sort of internal job notifications so I would just have a look but you know every week they're coming through and it never looked like something I was qualified to do or or particularly interested in but um something came up which um I'd already kind of gotten involved in which was this nitrosamines project and um, so as you might recall from a few years ago um the ranitidine recalls um so ranitidine and also um of the ARB um, medicines um, were recalled um, a few years back because um, there were levels of these nitrosamine impurities, uh, which are carcinogenic um, impurities, were detected um, in these medicines at, at a higher level um, than what was deemed to be safe uh, for consumption. So the whole pharmaceutical industry um, was tasked with risk assessing every single one of their products that they make um, to yeah, risk assess um, for the presence or the formation of nitrosamine impurities. So whilst I was doing my pre-reg, um, I was asked to help out with gathering some data um, on these respiratory products I was working on um, for this nitrosamines project. And so I'd kind of got some familiarity um, with it through doing that. Um, and I saw that a job opportunity came up. Um, it was actually for a secondment. So for someone, you know, already um, working as a permanent employee and um, to go into a one year secondment into this nitrosamines project. Um, whereas I obviously wasn't a permanent member of staff yet. But I, I asked, I reached out to the, the manager um, for that team 
um, who I'd already helped out with gathering some of this data. Um, and we managed to figure it out. Um, so I just kind of stayed on a temporary contract. Um, so I just extended for an extra year um, and helped out on this nitrosamines risk assessment project. So it was a bit of a weird role, um, quite unique. Um, but it was it was really great because uh, the main sort of task that I was doing each day was authoring these risk assessment reports. Um, but obviously, I don't have the expertise and knowledge on every GSK product to do that. So um, a lot of that role was around reaching out to the subject matter experts um, on each of the projects, um, each of the products. Um, and then they would provide all of the data around the you know, everything from the, the chemical structures to the, the manufacturing processes. And then we had our, you know, specific nitrosamine subject matter experts who would complete the risk assessment um, to, you know, determine whether there's a risk or not. Um, and then where there was a risk, um, I also kind of took the lead on arranging sample collection um, from different sites um which was again a great experience that kind of leads into my current role because um I was working with you know all of the the different sites around the world and reaching out to these people and trying to organize you know shipments of um samples of, of all this different medication um to bring to our labs to to test um so it was it was a really unique role and yeah not not something that I would have ever sort out <laughs> myself but I, I I really you know I wanted to stay in within the company um, and within the pharmaceutical industry and um, so that was a really um, nice opportunity that that came up and I was fortunate enough to work with a really great manager in that role um, who really sort of helped with my professional development um, in terms of leveraging you know myself to to find out what I wanted to do um, as my next role, um, which led me into to, to what I'm doing now. Um, so that that role in that nitrosamines team, um, it was it was yeah very unique, and and obviously that that whole time we were sort of living through um, all the lockdowns. So I was, yeah. I was working from home that that whole time, and never really had face to face contact with with anyone from that team. Um, but it was it was a great kind of segue. Um, yeah, it, a great well. little stepping stone to continue within GSK to explore all the opportunities that you know that were available to you. And like you said, you once you had your placement there as a pre-reg, you were uh, emailed. You know what sort of different types of jobs were coming up, and also that exposure. Um, as to what types of jobs people can do um, in that organization and then looking at those job descriptions and kind of saying to yourself like could I see myself doing this what skills do I have what skills do I need um, in order to get myself to that point if I do want to apply um, and it was really yeah chance to some extent that you had a little bit of experience and then it allowed you to continue with a contract that's amazing um, 
but then also your intrigue to continue with GSK despite the challenges of working from home and not seeing anybody and and working on a project that wasn't exactly um you know it was unique I wouldn't like it's probably not as exciting and thrilling as 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 some other jobs or what a standard pharmacist would be expected to do after four years of training which is very you know heavy on the kind of clinical knowledge and the the pharmacology and looking at side effects and everything like that counseling and you know communicating with patients it's such a different role um but you suck it out and and you found a way to see the enjoyment and also I think it sounds like you understood that you were kind of a moving cog in a bigger project, which led to, you know, really valuable and important information that was going out to the world. You know, the issue with ranitidine was huge um, and it it played a really big impact on pediatrics because we use it so much mm-hmm. and it was such a disappointment for us to not yeah. be able to use it because so many children are on it. Um, so I can see where... Um, I, you know, you can, you had a little bit of, you know, excitement in terms of what your role was playing a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, once you kind of knew that contract was coming to an end, um, what were your thought processes in terms of your next opportunity? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I spent a few months in that role, um, kind of settling into it. And then, you know, quite quickly, I was like, okay, I want to start thinking about, you know, what do I want to do next? And as I said, I had a lot of discussions with my manager who was really supportive in helping me to, to find out what that is because I, I wasn't too sure. Um, I explored a few different avenues um, during the pre-reg um, period. We were always sort of arranging calls with different people within the company, particularly pharmacists. Um, there's a really great network of pharmacists within GSK. Like I'm always coming across you know people who just like mention oh yeah I'm a pharmacist and I'm like well um there's yeah there's a lot of us and um one of the the people I spoke to um during that time um she was a manager within the clinical supply chain space and um when she kind of gave an overview of her role her department um I I just thought it sounded really interesting um, again, it, it wasn't something that I had been aware of whilst at university, but um, there were a few things that were quite appealing to me. I think the the thing that I was missing from the role I was in during my pre-reg was that connection to patients. And although you could say, you know, my role now, it's still, it's not clinical um, really, but working within the clinical trial space was really appealing to me. I thought it was very exciting um, to be working on these projects, bringing new medicines um, to patients. Um, I also was quite keen on the project management side of supply chain. And I I thought that was a a kind of skill that I wanted to develop, but also that I, I thought I would be a good match um for based on on previous experiences so after um hearing that manager you know because she she initially spoke to us as a group of pre-regs 
Um, so after that initial conversation, um, I think I reached out to her a couple months later um, and just asked if we could have a one-to-one call um, just because I wanted to find out more um, about the role. And I had a few more questions um, about jobs within that department. And um, so we kind of kept in touch just, you know, ir- irregularly um, whilst I was doing the nitrosamines work um, and, you know, I was exploring other options as well, but um, it just kind of, again, it, it aligned. So I think um, it was January last year um, there was a job available um, within clinical supply chain um, for a supply chain study lead, um, which is my current role. Um, so I, yeah, um, that, that manager actually reached out to me and said, you know, Anthea, I know you expressed um, some interest um, in, in this role and, you know, now we're hiring. So um, I applied for that and I went through the interview process um, and I think I had to prepare a presentation about clinical supply chain and um, I worked really hard on that. And um, yeah, I, I got the job um, in May last year. So I've been doing it for I guess, just over a year and a half. Um, nice. It sounds like you have quite a curious personality because um, I guess throughout this conversation, you've constantly utilized your network um, and you've used your network and the people around you as an opportunity to learn and ask questions and share what you're interested in and, okay, asking them as well, well, this is what my interests are. These are kind of the skills that I'm good at. What could I be doing? I, I like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, when I started at GSK, um, you know, two years ago um, for my pre-reg, I I really, you know, I had no idea that this role existed. And I suppose I wouldn't have known unless Mm -hmm. I'd, you know, reached out a bit further beyond my, you know, immediate network, which was in the manufacturing part of the business you know, in respiratory. And now I'm, you know, I'm in the R&D portion of the business, uh, working in clinical supply chain, which is a a completely different um, world. Um, So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm really glad that I I did reach out. Um, And it's it's something that, um, yeah, I would definitely encourage other people to do. It's it's not always something that, you know, comes naturally. and I've certainly found that, but I've now I've seen, you know, what it can bring you. I'm like, okay, like, let's do this more. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I'm with you on that. Like, and I love that. That's great that you've identified that quickly and kind of used it to your advantage. What's your, uh, I'm just curious, what's your favorite part of this job? What do you love so much about it? The current job you're in? Yeah. Um, I, I really love, again, the, the variety within this job. Um, it's also, it's the, the, the workload is, you know, more complex than anything I've had to deal with before. And again, those project management skills are are really, um, being pushed. Um, but I, I really love working with so many different teams. Um, so the role I'm in now, um, as a supply chain study lead, um, I basically work on different clinical trials, different studies, 
and I'm kind of like the point of contact um, for supplies within that study team. So I've kind of got all these different matrix teams around me. So I'll go to the the project team meetings for my clinical study um, and communicate with the the clinical operations team, medical affairs, regulatory, um, statistics, all these different groups, um, and really try to understand you know, the, the study protocol, the design, what's happening in this study as it progresses from, you know, startup to, you know, we've got patients enrolling, um, maintaining treatment, and then closing the study. Um, so there's that sort of part of it. But then I then have to kind of take that information and bring it back to the supply chain side. So we've got, you know, logistics, we need to create labels, we need to ensure that we plan the supply chain to ensure we've got enough drug to support this study. Um, so it's it's always really busy, um, which I like, um, which is also challenging. Um, but I, I, I just like how it is so varied and, and every day brings new challenges and, and you never know um, yeah, what, what, what each day is going to bring. Um, we also get some interaction with the clinical sites. Um, so if there's any kind of issues, um, you know, at the at the clinics, um, you know, that that will usually find its way to my inbox. Um, and we, we sort of manage those, you know, um, issues at sites as well. Um, nice. It sounds really interesting. And I love that there's a lot of variety. It keeps you motivated. It keeps that challenge going um, for you to grow like professionally. And it sounds like a lot of kind of personal skill as well involved in in the development of, of this job. Um, I know I normally end my podcast with my three favorite questions, but um, I guess I, I do. I'm curious as well to know is that where do you see yourself going over the next few years? I mean, you're still quite early into your career and you might not know the answers to these questions, but mm-hmm. I feel like you've probably thought about it. And even if your employers are listening, I'm not trying to get you to change jobs mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. But just, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the bigger picture and the long term? Yeah, um, I have thought about it. I'm not too sure. I think for right now, um, I'm really enjoying this role, um, having been in it for yeah year and a half, a bit more than that. Um, I can see myself doing it for a, a little while longer. Um, I think I still have a lot of room to grow and develop and and take on um, you know new you know challenges within my current role. Um, however, yeah, in the in the next few years, I would like to to progress. Um, I, I'm really enjoying supply chain, so maybe within that space, so um, perhaps more sort of managerial um, roles. Um, I, I'd like to develop my skills in sort of mentoring um, and training, um, you know, um, skills as well. Um, so perhaps something something like that. But yeah, I, I think I just want to continue um, pushing myself and and sort of following what I enjoy um, and what yeah, definitely space to grow. Amazing. Um, and I guess if you went back to, I mean, it's not so long ago, but going back to your, your student days, I usually say when you first became a pharmacist, but it's not so long ago that you became a pharmacist, but 
going back to your student days, kind of what would you advise your younger self or what would you advise students to do that you would do differently? I think, um, like, like you mentioned earlier about the curiosity, I think I would go back and, and you know, just encourage myself to, to really lean into what interests me, um, which I, I think I've done to some extent, but I think um, it's always good to have that reminder because sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to, to kind of go along and do things that you feel like you should be doing rather than, you know, what, what do I actually want, want to do? What am I good at? What are my strengths? Um, and, and what do I enjoy? Um, and, you know, kind of having that belief in yourself that, that you can lean into those, those parts of yourself. Um, yeah amazing that's why you'll do best yeah well I I mean we've gotten to know you really well and I'm so excited to hear about your your journey and I'm I'm really I'm happy for you that you've kind of transported yourself through a really unique kind of pathway and quite an interesting um like lots of interesting opportunities that you've been through so amazing go you I love it um, I really appreciate the the time you've given me um, tonight and volunteering as well to come onto the podcast in your free time. Um, and um, yeah, I'm grateful that we got to know each other today. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's, yeah, it's been so much fun. And yeah, hopefully it um, encourages, um, you know, any of the listeners um, to, to, you know, to, to just go for it, really. Yeah, agreed. <laughs>